I speak for the fans in a lot of ways. I know how they feel. They're great. They're loyal. They want to bang for their buck. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sunday Night Sports Talk. This is Sportsnet 650, home of the Canucks. My name is Dr. Tej Dollywall, and I'm joined by Sad Obroy, Nav DeSange, and Ryan Cattermole. We are the Larsh Cast. Hold up. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. As you heard, we are the Larsh Cast, and we're going to be running with you for the next couple hours here. We got an absolutely packed show this evening. I'm here with uh, Sad and TJ. Nav's unfortunately unable to join us this evening, but uh, he may be uh, catching on the show later, depending on his timing. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about what we got coming up here. We've had a heck of an interesting week, uh, to to say the least, in the NFL with some COVID outbreaks, some. Uh, injuries some interesting testing stuff that's happened we've had some canucks uh trade rumor news specifically oliver ekman larsman so uh we're gonna have craig morgan on the show later today he's an arizona coyotes insider and nhl network correspondent we're gonna pick his brain about uh the ins and outs of the oel trade and and uh what may or may not be true and happening there and as always we've got stacy joe roast expert in all things nfl and seahawks uh, from espn 710 coming up in the first hour at about the 30 minute mark and we're going to discuss the seahawks russ Wilson does it again and uh some of the other more interesting stories in the NFL but uh boys how are we feeling after that weird week well uh you said it the COVID uh, outbreaks it's kind of a concern for the NFL going forward and I've heard that the, they're talking about a week 18 uh, as a contingency plan which is which is a uh, I mean to say the least that's going to be necessary I believe so uh, but it's good that they're looking at uh, some options there um I like what the Patriots did in isolating their team even though tests were coming back negative it's the, with the players that were close to Cam Newton, they just flew them on separate planes just to make sure that everything is okay. And smart. You know, of, of, yeah, it's pretty smart. Of, of course, it's Bill Belichick run organization. So, you know, they're going to be erring on the side of caution and, and, you know, doing the right thing in that regard. And, and they have a practice squad ready to go in case any of those 20 players on the separate plane that were close to Cam Newton. And, and if any of those players can't play, then, you know, they can call some other people up. Um, but yeah, I mean, Besides the NFL, what a week it has been for the Canucks. My you know, goodness. Oliver Ekman Larson rumors going crazy uh, all over Canucks Nation. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting split across the aisle. There's people who really are opposed to spending uh, or to, to taking on a contract for seven years, $8.25 million per year. And then there's other people that are looking at Oliver Ekman Larson as significantly moving the needle for the Canucks. So can't wait to talk about that in that second hour. So what people are we? Let let me ask because I know Sat's been doing some digging on this. He's going to be our expert tonight before we talk. To oh, is that actual... right? Okay. Well, I mean, you're going to be our expert before we talk to Craig Morgan, of course. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know you've been digging into this. Like, let let's take a poll here between us, individual three guys. I'll I'll go out and say I'm a little leery of this one, boys. It's a lot of money. It it it, it makes me uncomfortable. Do I think he could bring value? Absolutely. But do we have a gaping void on right defense? Absolutely, but Sat, you go first. What are your thoughts? You know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same thing. Let me guess. Like, You're in the middle, Sat. Uh, you know what? That's right. That's right. I'm gonna say the same thing I said when the Canucks <laughs> traded for for uh, JT Miller last year. Right? I'm gonna wait to see what happens if, in fact, this trade does go through and the Canucks land OEL. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna say some, you know, some ridiculous things that oh, you know, they they can't manage the cap. They can't do this. They can't do that because, for one, we don't even know what the Canucks would give up in a trade for oel so we 
how can I have an opinion as to whether the trade's going to be good or he's going to be a good player for the Canucks? I don't, I don't even know what's going the other way. Secondly, again, going back to JT Miller, a lot of people had egg on their face because they took <laughs> an outlandish, outlandish stance on it being a terrible trade. And it was the best trade in the NHL by far last season. Canucks didn't win the cup, but he was definitely the most productive player. He moved the needle. Traded. Yeah, oh, he did. I mean, yep. He he helped the Canucks make the playoffs and make the second round. Yeah. Right. It, three rounds they actually played because of the play-in, right? The same yeah. season, season it was. So you know what? If it happens, if by the draft or if by free agency or if before the season starts, OEL's on the Canucks, I'm gonna cheer him. Cheer yep. him on. I want him to do well, and then we'll see what happens. Right. That that's where I sit. I'm in the middle. Of course you are. And <laughs> everybody knows where I'm at. I'm I'm loving this potential, you know, pickup for the Canucks. I yeah. I just think uh Oliver Ekman Larson, he's 29 years old. By the end of this contract, he's going to be 35. And people are looking at his 8.25 million dollars when he's a 35-year-old. But if you think about inflation with the salary cap, it's very similar to Alex Edler who's 35 this season coming up at 6 million a year. It's not the best in terms of the cap hit, but it's the final year of his deal and he's off the books after that. And if you look at Edler's play, he's still a very impactful player at age 35. Ekman Larson is 29. He is still at the top of his game. And when you age, you know, offensive defensemen get smarter and the game slows down as they age. And they're able to, to learn the intricacies of the game and master them at this age. And now they rely on their hockey sense. And with OEL, he's a very, very good skater. He's strong on a stick and he's a really good one-on-one defender. And he has a lot of those, you know, important factors that in case Chris Tanev is gone for us, he can pick up a lot of slack on the, at least on the defensive side of things and moving the puck, which Tanev isn't the best at, you know, OEL is one of the better puck movers in the game. And and so I'm excited to talk about Craig Morgan, uh, talk to Craig Morgan about him and break down his game and, you know, talk about the qualitative versus quantitative debate and, you know, all that jazz. But let's get back to the NFL because... It was an interesting yes. week four, and there's a lot to get through. And I just want to update everybody on the bet that me and Nav had. <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't performed the my uh, my end of the bargain yet. I'm doing it tomorrow. So tomorrow, I'm going to be shotgunning the two warm beers for the Packers versus Saints. Uh, Nav obviously is a huge Packers fan, and Nav will Nav will shotgun his cold beer and celebrate, and we'll post that video on our social media feed. So everybody who's kind of <laughs> wondering about that, I haven't, you know, I'm not, I'm not forgetting about that. I know I have to, you know, I'll pay my debts for that one. But uh, I got a question for you though: Is it going to be better than the shotgun that uh... the Alpha <laughs> Gettys? Oh my! Oh, Tommy the tractor guy. Tommy the Alpha Gettys. Oh. oh. On our Ooh. podcast, we had uh, Tommy the Tractor guy, who's well known in Canucks Nation as the guy who makes all these shotgun Jake videos. That was hard to watch. He uh, he shotgunned a can of Alphagetti's. Uh, I don't even know why you would do that. And he's had some questionable shotguns over there. <laughs> <I wonder laughs> stomach was after that though. Like, the oh, HP sauce is know. the one that stuck with me, boys. The HP sauce. But, <laughs> again, but I think uh, TJ, you got some exciting news about a contest that we. Yes, I do. Uh, you want to so share that? Speaking of food and all that stuff, uh, we have a really amazing Thanksgiving giveaway coming up here. Uh, it just was announced on Instagram today. So if you you have our Instagram, visit at Larshcast on Instagram. There, uh, it's involving six different vendors in Vancouver. And I'll just go through the, the giveaway itself. Um, Gourmet Grays is giving away a small charcuterie Grays box. Love it. 
basket case creations for you, which is which they have the official contest post on their page, by the way, at basket case creations for you. All the details are on the large cast page as well. Letter four, by the way, don't yeah. spell everything Just, else is spelled, but letter four and then you at the end. Don't even worry about that. Go to the large cast page. You'll see all the details, yeah. all the vendors, but they're giving away a, an autumn inspired seasonal fresh blo uh, blooms pumpkin centerpiece. Icing Baked Goods is giving away one dozen boxed Thanksgiving-themed decorative vanilla sugar cookies. Oh, man. I think I won those already. <laughs> Did, didn't oh. I win those already, though? I don't know, man. But if I win those, I think I'm, I'm just going to be sitting on the couch with a glass of milk and just downing them one by one. After your warm <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glasshouse Wine is giving away one bottle of wine plus a voucher for two complimentary wine tastings. Good stuff there. Baker Lita Bakery is giving away a half dozen pumpkin spiced cupcakes. Very delicious there. And the Sixth Scent Candle is giving away one pumpkin chai soy candle and a jar of white-tipped farmhouse matches. So um, check out our page there. Enter the contest. It's a huge giveaway for Thanksgiving. And the winner will be announced on Friday, October 9th on our post-draft pre-free agent frenzy podcast. Okay? So stick around and stay tuned for that one on October 9th. We have lots of insiders on that pod. So you know, yeah, it's going to be a good one, guys. We got everybody. Yeah. We got everybody that you can think of. So today we're going to go through, you know, the NFL week four, all the matchups, some interesting storylines. And also we want to grieve a little bit about fantasy. I mean, I know I do. So if you want to talk <laughs> fantasy, if you want to talk NFL, send us a text on the text line 650-650 or give us a call at 604-280-0650 or toll free at 1-888-275-0650. You know, share your thoughts if you want to complain. Uh, I, I OBJ, have a, man, I got him in my in wow. My Thank you wow. for mentioning that because that's where I'm starting off. I was 0 and 3, and another gentleman was 0 and 3, and we tried to spice up our lineups and we made a trade. And okay. I was stacked with wide receivers, and uh, I, I needed running backs. And to that point in week three, uh -oh. Mixon, Joe Mixon was doing nothing. Uh oh, so guess who I traded away? Uh -oh. Odell Beckham. Oh, and Joe no. Mixon. Oh, no. Who both had 35 points today. <laughs> yeah, that's half your, that's half your and roster. I, and I, and I took back James Robinson and uh, Darnell Henderson uh, of the Rams. So I'm not I'm not sitting pretty today. I'm 0-4. Uh, You're going to be 0-16. Like Yikes. Yikes. This is just four. one league, though. I'm in three and leagues, and I'm leading you know, in another couple of leagues. So I'm 4-0 I'm in one league. I'm 0-4 in one league. I'm three and one in the other league, and in the large cast league, I don't even want to talk about that one. Yeah, but that I one's. A, I have a title, so I'm okay. No kidding, hey. And uh, <laughs> but before we really dig in, have we? You want to take a second set? You want to maybe tee up the poll question for these folks? Because we really oh, want yeah, to hear your feedback on this before we get into it. We're going to talk about this in the second hour. Absolutely. So you know, like like always, we have a poll question here, and you can find that on. Uh, um, already Twitter. 500 votes, by the way. You're 500 votes yes. already? Okay. People are heated about this one. So, as always, our poll question is brought to you by Ronald Kumar Law Group, specializing in personal injury and ICBC auto accident cases, family law, divorce, and separation cases. If you have a family law matter, call Ron at 604-638-3302 for a free consultation, or you can visit them at ronaldkumarlaw.com, on Instagram at ronaldkumar.esq, or on Twitter at Van City Legal. So our question today, we hit off, off the top, you know, OEL, all things OEL. Where is Oliver ekman Larson going to be playing in the NHL next season? Is it going to be with the Canucks, our hometown Canucks? Is it going to be with the dreaded Boston Bruins? Or is he going to stick it out in the desert and remain in Arizona? So we've got three options, Canucks, Bruins, 
or Coyotes. So we want to hear from you. And you already know, you know, if the Canucks get him, you know where I sit. And I think he's going to be on the Canucks team. I'll be a bit optimistic there. Yep. And if you're responding on Twitter or uh, or on Instagram, feel free to tell us why, too. And we're going to try and break as much of this down in the second hour as we can. But let's move back. And Teach, Teach can we talk about the New Orleans Saints here? Of and course how we happy, can. Of course, I knew the answer. But how happy you must be. And honestly, I got to tell you, I'm very impressed because they had a rough ride with their COVID testing last night, man. Yeah. They were not even able to be apparently like two, three in the morning. They were still yeah. waiting on the results to find yeah. out if they could play. So how mentally tough do you have to be? And also just Breeze's arm strength. Like, yeah, let me now start with the, the arm strength. Uh, can we put that conversation to rest now? <laughs> can we, can we so. put that conversation to rest? What did I say last week? Mm-hmm. You know, Nav, I'm, I'm, I don't know why. I think I know why he's not here because, you know, he doesn't want to hear me rip him apart for all his, oh, my boy, Aaron Rodgers, my boy. I, you know, all that stuff he was saying last week. I'm just sick of hearing it now from everybody talking about Drew Brees and his arm strength and falling off a cliff. It's a joke. Sean Payne, he was planning his his first half of the season around the dink and dunk, kind of Patriot style, short passes. And, you know, they didn't they changed it up a bit this week. They changed it up because the Detroit Lions secondary is a bit weaker. So they had more more ability to fire more shots downfield. And he was throwing 30-yard shots downfield this this game. And, you know, he's fine. Drew Brees obviously is not the same as he was five years ago. You know, he doesn't have that complete arm strength where he can maybe throw a 70-yard bomb down the field. You know, but he can still chuck the ball. And like I said, they're just saving him. Okay? And and it's pretty it's quite evident after today. And like you mentioned, the mental strength of this team. Yeah. You know, to stand the test of COVID and and, and understand that they, they there was a lot on the line. The game might not have been played. They were up late trying to figure out their testing results. It didn't matter. They rallied around the team that they have and Alvin Kamara. What a running back this kid is. I mean, he has got to be in the top, top three conversation, maybe number one at this yep. point. You know, Alvin Kamara is just a fantastic, you know, tool and, and weapon that the Saints have. And, you know, he he alone is... You know, every in every game threat to take over and change the game. You know, and and he did that last two games. They didn't win against the Packers, but Kamara, you know, was easily in that conversation of of making that difference. And going forward, teams are going to start keying in on him. They're gonna yep. they're gonna try to, but you can't really you can't really stop him. He's so shifty. He's he can catch the ball out of the backfield with the best receivers in the game, and he can you know go through the middle of the of the D line like. Just like a, one of those like Latavius Murray is a backup to Kamara, but they both can hammer it down the field if they want to. So I just think the Saints are back in that conversation. So a couple of questions on Breeze, though, too. You sort of cut you off there. So he said, you know, he's got he's got his arm back. So I was looking at the charts here, and it looks like he only had what uh, three passes outside of uh, twenty yards. Is that right? Like that's I mean that's not that. Is it? Are you saying that he's it's, back it, and he's not? Just he did pass the eye test, strength, though, I would okay? say. It's like, just a display of strength. They, like I said, like, Ryan, I know you're talking about the eye test. Exactly. He passed the eye test. Okay. Like, like I said earlier, they're not, they're not, their strategy is not to go downfield. That's just not what they want to do right now. Well, I'll tell you one thing you can't argue with. Alvin Kamara has been absolutely spectacular. And I know we're going to talk a little fantasy later, but he <laughs> is the record holder now for the highest point total through his team's first four games of the season since a, since 1950 when that stat's been kept, boys. And don't forget also with everything else the Saints had to deal with, they overcame a 14-point deficit in this game. And is is this the season of QBs throwing five TDs? Like, 
it just seems to be happening. Like we're going to talk about Brady in a second as well, too. But there's just a, a spectacular level of play that we're seeing right now. And and the, the offense and the comebacks is, is the really cool thing. Because, I mean, a couple of years ago, a team gets up, uh, you know, 15 points and the game's over. Now we're seeing these monster comebacks, you know, the Saints coming back, uh, which actually let's let's talk about, you know, the game tomorrow, the Green Bay Packers playing the Atlanta Falcons. What, what do we think about that, guys? Do we think the Falcons are going to come out heated? Are they going to have a great performance? Are they going to let another lead slip away? There's no chance the Falcons are winning this game. No, I don't not think a, so. Not no. a chance. The, the Packers are just too strong up and down. Aaron Rodgers. The only know. thing is injuries, though, right? The only thing injuries can play a part yeah, in, they can, in the but Packers offense, right? If, so If Rodgers goes down, that's the only concern. But Dude. like you said, no, like like we, we've seen, I mean, like no Devontae Adams, it doesn't even matter. But Lazard's you know, but gone now. Too, Lazard's right? gone how, too. Okay, but... how many people picked up Lazard this week? I did. Yeah. The yeah, I did. I was, I was <laughs> one of those people. I feel bad for uh, Paco who called in. Oh, yeah, my God. That's right. Dude, Paco sold him on us. It's because of Paco that I picked him up. I went and no. picked him up after, and I was like, this is my boy. Wait. He's going to get it done. No, wait. We we screwed Paco over. He get, he asked us a question, yeah. uh, Alan Lazard oh, right. or Justin Jefferson, and we all said to pick up Lazard. And, and I went Jefferson and took your advice. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, oh. if you're listening, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was uh that was a tough one, man. But yeah, no, I, I think that one's no question. I think Rogers is, is is heating up, and and he's just gonna have another spectacular game. So where do we want to go next? Maybe let's talk a little. Let's talk a little. Well, you end. mentioned Brady. Let's do that. Let's yeah, you know what? Let's do he some Brady. Game, let's do it. five TDs again. And he was boy, did that good. man spread it around. He was looking good. That and you know, talk about arm strength for the old guys. He was chucking it downfield, no problem. So uh, it, it was a vintage second-half performance by Tom Brady. 17-point comeback, boys. Again, yeah. like this but, is the year of the comebacks. Yeah, well, Brady's got a lot of uh, stored strength from his, his years in New England, right? Like he wasn't throwing passes. <laughs> now he's got to throw the passes. <laughs> That's true. That's How about true. on the flip side of that game, though? Justin Herbert. He's, he's looking like the real deal. Here as a quarterback, and there's a there's a controversy brewing in, in Chargers Nation here. Like they're they're saying that Tyrod Taylor will start when he returns, but how do you take out Justin Herbert with the perfor- way he's performing right now? So it's kind of an interesting storyline to watch. Well, I, I think he can you know he controlled that game for large stretches. If that wasn't Brady being classic Brady, I, I think I think that the Bucks don't win this game. So yeah. I, you know how are you going to move away from that? And it's a it's a difficult conversation that's going to have to be had there. Yeah, it's a tough one for sure, guys. Let, now, let's maybe want to talk a little bit about some MVP candidate conversation. Josh Allen, how 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 did you guys find that game? Because I'm not going to lie. I watched the first part of it, and it was not that high energy. I mean, I guess we're just so spoiled with the high offense games this year. But, but Tej, what was your takeaway from that game? Well, the the Buffalo Bills, that's the game that they want to play on defense. They want to slow it down. They want to they want to stifle the the opposition. They they pretty much want to control the pace of play and and you know, with Josh Allen on offense, you can you can really like the way he's playing right now, his ability to throw and and you know, Stefan Diggs was a huge addition for that team, uh, spreading the the offense around, uh, you know, defenders have to watch out for Diggs, but I think, you know, the way Buffalo is designed, their team can easily control the pace of play in every game and and Allen's ability to run as well which yeah. he's not doing as much of because he doesn't have to he's relying on his arm strength and his smarts now with um, with a banged up shoulder too like you know Allen's had some issues with his shoulder too so it's one of those things that like he's not at 100% and he's still able to do this you know yeah and and like you said MVP MVP conversation I got to say Allen you know it's probably 
him and and Wilson and Rogers, you know, one, two, three at this point. Um, oh, yep. sorry, not in that order, but just those three guys are are in the conversation for MVP at this point. And I would throw Alvin Kamara in the mix too because of how he's performing. So maybe those are your four candidates for MVP of the season this year so far. You don't need four, just need one. It's Russell, man. It <laughs> it's be. Russell it all day. Be. Like he's number be. one with the bullet right now. And let's not let's not overstate how huge it is. So how far do we think the Bills can go undefeated this year? Because their schedule coming up is not doing them any favors. They've got the Seahawks, the Patriots, they've got the Chiefs coming up. Like there's going to be some games up here. Do, do you think they think they can continue this undefeated run for a while here, or, or what are we thinking? Well, uh, if they if the team keeps playing, you know, effectively on both sides of the ball the way they are right now, I I don't know who's going to stop them. I mean, even the best teams in the in the league are going to have a challenge when they play Buffalo the way Buffalo's playing right now. So it, it's really it's Josh Allen. Like if he slows down, then you know other teams are going to give him a challenge. But if Allen's playing the way he is playing right now, it's hard for me to anticipate any losses. I mean, just Buffalo's just really deep on defense too. Their defense is getting healthy, and and uh, you know I just. Uh, it's going to be an interesting storyline to, to follow the Buffalo Bills. I mean, this could be the season that, you know, the Bills Mafia has been waiting for for a long time after Brady's gone and, the, you know, the, the, the vision is wide open. And so, you know, it's a very, very good time to be a Buffalo Bills fan. That's for sure. Yeah, you're not kidding, man. It's going to be an interesting one. And, I, and I'm interested to get into the Seahawks conversation here. And we're going to do that with uh, Stacey Joe Roast in a few minutes as well, too. Um, once again, you're listening to the Large Cast on Sportsnet 650 on Sportsnet Tonight. You're home for the Vancouver Canucks. Welcome back, everybody, to the Large Cast here on Sportsnet Tonight. My name is TJ, and I'm here with Ryan and Sat. And Nav ran away because Drew Brees, his arm strength came back. So, there, you know, you know the conversation. You know how it goes. Nav, if you're listening, please come back. I want to say a few things to you about that. <laughs> We're going to be joined by Stacey Joe Rust, our regular Seahawks insider, in just a moment here. Um, so we'll get into that. I just want to update our poll question brought to you by Ronald Kumar Law Group. Uh, we're asking where Oliver ekman Larson is going to play next season. And uh, almost at 1,000 votes already. Uh, Canucks is leading at 45%. The Bruins are at 22%. And uh, the Coyotes are at 33%. So it's interesting to see that uh, uh, the Canucks and Bruins aren't one and two in that regard. And a lot of people think that maybe, you know, that OEL stays with the Coyotes. So that'll be interesting. Because Canucks fans hate the Bruins. <laughs> we don't want anything yeah, nice and it. good to happen to them. That's yeah. all and it is. They can't have you, nice things. Anytime you see the word Boston, you cannot touch it. You cannot click it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if the, do you think the results would be that much different? It was where do you want Oliver Ekman Larson to end up? Oh, then there was then it would be Arizona for sure, right? Like because yeah. you don't I would the assume the thing with yeah. the Canucks fans is right, like it, it it depends on what side of the fence you sit on, but it's you do, you don't want the Canucks to have him because it's it's way 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 too yeah. expensive. But then you want boss you don't want Boston to have him because he's a good yeah. player. Anyway, all right. So, anyways, yeah, we'll get into that in, at ten o'clock with Craig Morgan. Uh, Stacy is here and ready. How are you doing, Stacy? I'm good. I am not surprised at all that Drew Brees was one of the first things to be mentioned here. I feel like I felt that coming. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, we're gonna go there, uh, of course. I mean, I after knew. the com- yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. TJ's in his element because he doesn't have his, his arch rival over here to rip it back <laughs> on it, too. So, you know, we got to give him a chance when we can. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Before we get into it, guys, you know, Stacy's brought to you by HBD Homes Limited, a design build, new home builder with over 20 years of experience, specializing in new home construction, laneway homes, and renovations. Please visit hbdhomes.ca and their Instagram page at hbd underscore homes. 
or call 778-968-1491. Okay, Stacey, so give it to us straight, your take on Drew Brees and the resurgent arm strength. Oh, resurgent saddle. Okay. Well, hang on a minute. <laughs> Hang on. Is it like a pure resurgence of arm strength or is it like Alvin Kamara's fantastic and the Lions are absolutely awful and have blown like double digit leads in all of their games? I'm just saying like I knew that this was going to come back and bite me. I didn't expect it to be so soon, but I'm ready to defend myself. Well, you know, I'm loving it, but uh, no, I mean, defend yourself. I mean, what I saw and, and Ryan agrees, he passed the eye test today. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the conversation about his arm strength being gone and diminished, I mean, he was, you know, it might have been just three passes that, you know, hit the 30-yard mark, but uh, I didn't see anything wrong with those passes. His arm looked good when he hit that touchdown to Traycon Smith. So, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's funny because, uh, like, a week or so ago, uh, we had a conversation on our show, and, and um, my two co-hosts disagreed with me on this, but I was like, look – I know that like injuries, some of those will settle themselves and players will come back and people will get back into it. But for right now, like the NFC suddenly looks like the weaker conference and we weren't expecting this. And part of my argument was like Drew Brees, just not really what it used to be. And then I had other stuff about like the Rams kind of being underwhelming and blah, blah, blah. And then of course everything gets upended and you have like the Vikings suddenly beating the Texans and the Saints beating the Lions and the Rams win again and it backfired. But I think that I still solidly feel like Seattle's offense, as far as Russell Wilson, is better right now. Like it's just Drew Brees has the same thing with Tom Brady, who like I know threw five touchdowns, but like you're leaning on the ability you still have, veteran savvy, and being, like, one of the best ever. Like, I love Drew Brees. He might be my favorite quarterback of all time. But, mm-hmm. like, sorry, like, when you get into your late 30s and early 40s, like, it does start to fade. That's not mm-hmm. a hot take. Yep. And, and then, hold on, sorry, Ray. And then even talking about, like, winning a Super Bowl in your late ages, like, Peyton Manning did it with a phenomenal defense, right? So it wasn't exactly. really off the back of his arm, so... It's going to be interesting to see what happens with both Tom and, and, and Drew. Uh, Ryan, I know you want to switch to the Seahawks here. Go ahead. Well, I just you made a natural transition there bringing up Russ. And, and, and Stacey, I think you would agree this was a bit of a different one for them. But I wanted to just kind of talk about Chris Carson's coming out party mm-hmm. and seeing, seeing him come back from what he endured last week and then spending the time in the concussion tent. Uh, coming back is he dealing with any nagging injuries or is this guy just going to continue to the rip the way that he has today? It certainly looks like he'll continue. Um, I think I saw, gosh, was it Ian Rappaport? Someone had that he had an MCL sprain, which is not necessarily what we've heard. We've just heard he has a grade one sprain. So could it be an MCL? Sure. But he didn't look that affected today. Um, He had 80 yards, the most he's had uh, rushing in a game this year, had 100 yards from scrimmage two touchdowns again another multi-touchdown game from him um I think the one thing I'd say to maybe put fans at ease about any kind of lingering things for him from the game is that post-game Pete Carroll said they came out pretty clean so I think the assumption is like he didn't get more hurt or banged up than he was heading into it so now you have uh, a game against Minnesota and then thankfully for him and a couple other guys you get the bye week before you go into a tough slate of NSC games so I was not expecting him to come out and play like he did. In fact, Pete Carroll had said uh, he had a great week of practice, but 
it sounded like, at least on kind of Thursday night and Friday, Carlos Hyde might be starting, and we weren't really sure what would be happening. And then all of a sudden, their fortunes kind of flip, and it's Carson who's getting the start and playing. Um, and he was fantastic. I mean, he he hasn't put up, you know, like a 100-yard rushing game yet, but he looks phenomenal. Yeah, he really does. He just looks quick. He he. It didn't really look like he had any ill effects, and and I I, I would assume there was nothing post game in terms of the concussion symptoms or anything like that. Nothing no, really to worry no. about there. Time, time will tell. I, I would assume as well too. But you mentioned Pete Carroll as well, and I kind of wanted to to talk to you about his. I, I don't want to say evolution because he has in years previous, but maybe not for the past few years. He's been really reluctant to go for it on fourth down conversion mm-hmm. scenarios, and this year he seems like he's far more for that is that an evolution of the team is that him just working with the roster he's given and then secondary to that how how much of the credit does he deserve for what Russell Wilson is doing two great questions uh I'll go in order the first part is um I think it is recognizing your strengths I think before it would be hey we can't get this done let's play conservatively let's play for you know an advantage on the field we'll punt downfield um but now you understand that like our offense is significantly better than our defense like our offense might have a better chance to convert this fourth and short than our defense does to keep the opposing team from marching down the field and it's just a new place for this team to be in like it has been something that happened over time it's not like they went from the best defense into what they are overnight but I think that you see that recognition reflected in some of those changes. The idea of going forward on fourth down um, is, to me, recognizing that you have guys that you believe in on offense, which you didn't have early in Russell Wilson's career, at least not more than the defense. Um, True. I think that he, you know, we've been having a debate about whether or not this is still a Pete Carroll team. And even though we always see a Pete Carroll team we just think of 2013 and 14 and, and those are the kinds of things he like. Like he's a very classic old fashioned guy. Um, the, the crux of this team, the core of it is still the same. So his, you know, coaching philosophy, um, the, in, the environment and culture that he curates, um, the kinds of responsibilities he gives guys, all of that is still there. And, based on his tone and a tone from Bobby Wagner, it certainly doesn't sound like they're done trying to improve on defense and, you know, just saying like, oh, our offense is great enough. They sounded very disappointed with the performances so far. So I'd expect them to try to crack down. Stacey, I want to ask you um, what the impact of Brian Schottenheimer being up in the booth, you know, calling plays rather than on the field has been this year. Cause that's a different, you know, change for him personally and and for the Seahawks. So have you talked to Brian and, and, you know, what do you think that impact has been? I have not. uh, I have talked to, obviously my co-host is, um, knows Brian very well, uh, trains Russell Wilson in the off season and, you know, communicates with the team plenty. And so I asked him and I was like, Hey, just from the perspective of a former quarterback, how much of a difference does this make? Cause to me, it made sense. I was like, yeah, he's got like this bird's eye view. He's away from the excitement of the sideline where you might get distracted. Um, it sounds like it's like 30% being away from the sideline where you can kind of focus on your offense in the moment and make some of those key decisions without being distracted by kind of like a fun environment. And the majority of it, though, I think is just kind of growing with Russell Wilson. Like, it is another year with Russell Wilson, and yeah. it's not 
it's not that he's not this uh, offensive coordinator. I think we all thought he'd be like this run first guy. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And I think what you've seen is like, he's perfectly capable of taking advantage of Russell Wilson. It just took them growing together to get here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad you asked that. Cause I was, I was going to say like, don't you just get the sense that, that this team is finally figuring out. And I know it seems silly cause he's been there for some time now, but they're finally figuring yeah. out exactly what Russell Wilson is and how to truly deploy him. But oh, Ryan, to, to what you just, to your point, isn't that kind of like a ridiculous thing at the same time? Cause all the fans, of the Seahawks were saying this for the longest time. And so it took them this long to realize it themselves as an organization. I mean, what do you think, Stacey? Um, I think it also took some time to shift a lot of their salary cap. When you look at where they've actually invested money, I think it took some time to shift that to the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Russell Wilson took a big chunk of that, but you've seen them invest in uh you know their offensive line more than they have in years past and and not make so many experiments but just try to find stuff that works and you know you've seen them go out to get a free agent you've seen them go for three wide receivers which is something you know two years ago that they hadn't done since like the 80s so i think that i think that They've always known Russell Wilson is great, and I think we started to see him, I would say 2015 was the year when it became very apparent what he could do. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have the resources that you do now. It sounds funny because back then you had Jimmy Graham, but when you look at this offensive line, you guys, you see the pass protection change. It is better. BK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they are a dynamic deal, and David Moore is underrated so far. So, they have a loaded offense in a way that I don't mm-hmm. think they did a couple years ago. I think that's a great a great point, and, and I'm really glad that you mentioned some of those extra assets. Once again, you're listening to the Large Cast on Sportsnet 650, and we're with Stacey O'Roust of uh, ESPN 710. I just have a question about kind of one of those intangibles, and it's not something that gets discussed a lot, but how big of an asset is having Myers at the kicker position? He doesn't get asked to do a lot, but he always seems like mm-hmm. he can come in and get the job done. Like he banged, I think, what, a 55-yarder today that ended up, you know, being fairly important to the game. Like what kind of confidence does he give the team? Uh, they seem pretty confident in him. I think that he earned quite a bit of that last year. And he was honestly in with the camp the year that they had Janikowski. And they just went with their free agent investment, which was Janikowski. Um, And then Myers goes and has a Pro Bowl year with the Jets. So I think that last year wasn't his best year, but it was a better year than the Seahawks had had in two seasons. It was like a rotating door at kicker, and it wasn't successful. And so I think he earned a bit of that trust, honestly. And heading into this year, so far he's been great. And, you know, thankfully for like him, the Seahawks have been able to score. I mean, they've been great (laughs) in the red zone. And, um, you know, when he has been called on, like today, he's nailing it. So it's one of those weird jobs where it's like you're called on for maybe the most important moments. And otherwise, if you just kind of lay low and you're like, yeah, I'll get a PAT. I nailed it. (laughs) Then you can kind (laughs) of escape any criticism. Yeah, no, I, that's that's a good point. I, like you say, he he doesn't get asked to to do a lot because I mean the Seahawks have done a spectacular job of of converting when mm-hmm. they have to and putting the ball into the end zone as well too. I do want to ask. Oh, sorry, go ahead, TJ. Well, I'll just say it's a big difference from uh, Blair Walsh though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! How many people were losing their <laughs> yeah. minds over every time we would come up the you line? Guys remember kick and it's the like, sideline oh, no. of that final game against? Gosh, was maybe Arizona where he misses the kick. And you just see Pete Carroll, and it's like the realization of the year and the decision and everything has just hit him all at once, and he just kind of like can't believe it. 
Yeah, that's a it's, that that was a it's just a spectacular look too. Um, Carol's got some great facial expressions too. It's too bad some of these guys are under masks <laughs> on the sidelines right now. I mean, I'm glad they are, yeah. but you know, you don't get to see as much of the person. Nothing will beat Richard Sherman though in the Super Bowl. Oh, buddy, <laughs> no, greatest no, expression no, of all time. It's the worst moment. It's the worst moment. <laughs> Run the dang ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay all right all right we can break that down to death i i do have a i do have a bit of a question here um just in terms of sure. after after the opening drive where the seahawks scored a touchdown there was a stretch of the game where it was kind of not much was happening it was it was kind of mm-hmm. a, a special teams focused game and it almost seemed like uh maybe there was a sense that there that uh they had found a way to slow the seahawks down is that just a, mm-hmm. a case of, of maybe you know underestimating your opponent or or seeing something that you didn't expect or is there a bit of a maybe that's the playbook on how to how to shut Russ down and and stop him from cooking no I think it was kind of like a self-inflicted wound which is yeah on the one hand the most frustrating answer and on the other maybe the best one because it's fixable um I don't think that Miami's defense made it feel as though the game was close I mean there were times when um you just saw a break in coverage or it just felt like I don't know if you guys felt this way. I felt like when I was watching it that they should have been up by like two scores um, early. And so I think that you had, you know, some drops. I mean, Lockett, who so rarely does this, had a drop. Uh, DK, you know, before he can secure the ball, is hit by a defender and drops the ball. Um, You know, you had a couple moments, too, where Russ just has to throw it away. But, you know, I think if you consider, you know, the interception wasn't great and then two drops, but you could have a different game with just a few of those changes. And it's that kind of thing where you look at it, it's frustrating. No fan likes to watch their team have drops, but again, it is the most fixable thing when it's something you can control. No, for sure. So we're going to transition back to some of the other, other teams now, Stacey, if you don't mind. And of course, everybody you're listening yeah. to the large cast here on Sportsnet tonight. Uh, home of the Canucks. My name is TJ. I'm here with Ryan Sat, and we're talking to Stacy Joe Ross of 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, no, there's been a few controversial things in the in the media recently, and uh, particularly uh, with Dwayne Haskins and his agent uh, kind of going to bat for him. So I want to ask you, um, you know, regarding two specific scenarios here: Daniel Jones in in New York uh, with the Giants there, and and Dwayne Haskins in, in Washington. Um, who do you see? Like, what, what do you see happening going forward? Uh, is there a possible, you know, another switch happening? Like, you know, Nick Foles taking over for Trubisky in Chicago. Do you think uh, which of those quarterbacks would is a uh, with having their job on the line right now? Oh man, you know, I personally like Dwayne Haskins, so I don't want to say him. Um, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to follow logic. I'm going to go Daniel Jones. Um, <laughs> I think Dwayne Haskins <laughs> has shown a bit more at this point in his career. Like, don't get me wrong, Danny Dimes has had some bombs in there. Like, he and his sweater vest have at times looked pretty dominant. But Dwayne Haskins, I think, has had a bit more of a spark. Neither is ready right now to lead their team. Like, it is clear that both of them need some more development. I'd say with where the Giants are as an organization, that would make me more nervous. Washington seems like it feels like they're in a good place with Rivera and kind of a turnover with some of their front office, it feels like they have their eye toward the future and trying to rectify mistakes, um, even though they're still kind of a mess, whereas the Giants feel like just directionless. Like it is, I don't even know what's happening with either New York team right now. Mm-hmm. 
it's a little bit tough to watch for sure. And I mean, the, the Giants are just having a huge struggle running the ball as well, too. Uh, let's make the shift to the Cowboys-Browns game because that's a game that has an, another really interesting, you know, congrats to the Browns. But I just, how frustrating <laughs> is it to be Dak Prescott right now to throw for over 500 yeah. yards, four touchdowns and no win? And, and to that end, is Mike McCarthy the guy to get it done here? Uh, I don't think so. Go ahead, Stacey. Though. I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, Mike McCarthy is the guy to get it done. I mean, they haven't yet. You know what I'll say, though, about Dak Prescott? This is where I can't stress enough that, like, yards aren't everything because he also has, what is it, like five turnovers in his yeah. last two games? Yeah, and so he threw that like, late, late interception, as- too, right? So. Right, exactly. So as much as it's phenomenal, you see the five and you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's, you know – throwing bombs all over the place but he's also not always taking care of the football and that's the kind of thing that I don't know a program like Seattle has stressed since day one and it makes fans so frustrated when they're careful but they're also careful um and I think you see that with veteran coaches Belichick has also always stressed that so um so yeah I mean props to Prescott it was a great day on paper but he has got to be able to protect the football all right, Stacey, let's uh let's let's switch gears here a little bit and you know get off uh you know the week that was. Um so we saw you know a positive COVID test with Cam Newton there, and it's kind of mm-hmm. screwing up the whole game for the the New England Patriots. They gotta fly on two planes. Um as we get on with the season now, how big of a concern would there be that, you know, for one, are our games gonna be, you know, pushed you know, for multiple weeks? And w- what if there's a, a mm-hmm. team or multiple teams that have, you know, three three or four games that need to be postponed and they, they can't actually finish the season on time? Like, it, do you think they have, you know, some some plans in place for this type of situation? Man, <laughs> that's what's hard because it, it feels like with both the, um, the NFL and more so the NCAA, like it's not close, but it felt like they had months before the start of football season. Um, in the mm-hmm. beginning of the pandemic to try to come up with things. And, and yet it has at times felt like they didn't use it wisely again, much more so with the NCAA. But um, I would, I would assume, yes, that they have plans in place. I feel like the NFL is a different kind of organization than the MLB where we saw teams make delays. Um, the NBA in the bubble it worked phenomenally, but Adam Silver has multiple times said, I would have no problem stopping this season. The NFL, the NFL feels very much like we are steadfast. We're not moving. We will go to the brink of what we can possibly do before this is a PR nightmare, before we reschedule too many games or cancel any games. So I would at this point be surprised if they canceled more than even just one contest. I think they are just dead set on finishing the season and making it a full season. Um, and it's just, I just the culture of the league in a weird way. They feel so much more immovable than, than mm-hmm. any of the other pro leagues. So I've, I've kind of shared that nervousness. I mean, as someone who covers the NFL, whose job is talking about it at work, it's in the back of your mind all the time. And you're thinking like, oh, man, I'm so excited for week five, but is this the last week? What's going to happen? But I think that, the NFL being kind of cold hearted gives me a weird confidence if that makes sense. So yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see what happens, but I'm not too worried yet. 
So you mentioned it, and, and I really think that you you hit the nail on the head. That the only time that they'll stop is when this becomes a PR nightmare, where they can't sell the story of why they should continue the mm -hmm. season. So to that end, in your mind, it, what do you see? Where's the logical stopping point? Is it like when we when we're talking about a week twenty four and every team's got three bye weeks, or or like what to right. your mind or in the conversations <laughs> you've had? Like how crazy is this going to get? Yeah, I think it has to be one of two things that the season is extended too far. And keep in mind that in the CBA negotiations, the owners are trying to negotiate for 18 games already. So they wouldn't have a problem with an added like two, three, four games. I think that you would start to see a lot of player and fan outcry if it extended much further than that. So that's the first thing, a season that just yeah. adds more than like four games. The second thing would be, I think if any single player is hospitalized, which seems, um, you know, unfortunately, like, the more likely thing to happen should a lot of people get sick. Yeah. I think that would be a PR nightmare. I think that would be a, we are stopping. We're figuring this out and we'll see what happens. The one thing I'll say to you is they do have the advantage of the week in between contests for the most part. So you have time to get everyone tested in a way that you didn't necessarily with the MLB. No, I, I totally agree. I think that's that's pretty much what it's going to take at this point. Once again, this has been our conversation with Stacey Joe Roust of ESPN 710 Seattle. Thanks so much for your time tonight, Stacey. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. And I mean, guys, Thanks. before we before we uh, move on here, I just want to say, you know, another thing that, that muddies the waters here is uh, don't and don't think it doesn't Trump and Melania getting sick. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Republicans that watch football that weren't maybe taking some of this mask stuff as seriously as they would have previously that now when Mr. President is sick. Uh, you might see a shift, you know, maybe Belichick's keeping his mask on a little bit more frequently here. Um, well, see what I would be I'd be worried about. Like if you have a game that gets pushed a couple of days, you know, it's a Monday nighter that has to push to Wednesday. Yeah. And they have the same team that has to be scheduled in for Sunday. They only have three days. So that's almost yeah. playing like Thursday and Sunday. Like how's that going to happen? You know, the teams are, are going into the season understanding very, you know, full well that it's, it's going <laughs> to yeah. be a tricky scenario. And they're, and so they, they're not, they're not going to be a lot of complaints about the scheduling um, as yeah. it goes. Um, they're just more focused on completing the schedule. But I like mm -hmm. what Ryan said about the, you know, it's it's about leading by example sometimes, and you know, across the artist, uh, the the partisan aisle, you know, like it, it's not really a, a time, an era of life where bipartisan, you know, uh, conversations are occurring. It's more of a very you know defined split, and and then so when you have people on both sides of the aisle pushing uh, the same agenda, the same message, it's going to lead to more success for that Agreed. message to carry out. So I think uh, that was a great point that you made, Ryan, and uh, yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, guys, I think we've we've kind of uh, nailed this topic here. So let's uh, let's move on here. Coming up, we're going to talk to Craig Morgan, Arizona Coyotes insider, and we're going to discuss the Oliver Oliver Ekman Larson trade. Once again, you're listening to the Larshcast on Sportsnet 650, your home for the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet tonight. It's time for Sportsnet today. This is the Larshcast on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Okay, welcome back to the Larsh Cast. My name is Sat. I'm here with TJ and Ryan. And a big thanks to Stacy Joe Rost of 710 ESPN of Seattle for the last segment there in our last hour of football talk. Now we're going to transition to some hockey talk. We and uh, we got got a good guest coming up, Craig Morgan. But uh, I want to refresh our poll question here, which is brought to you by Ronald Kumar Law Group. And our question was, where does 
Oliver Ekman Larson play next season in the NHL? We got three options for you the Canucks, the Bruins, or the Coyotes. And you know, the percentages, guys, they haven't really moved since the last update. It's 44% for the Canucks, 22% for the Bruins, and 34% for the Coyotes. So uh, we're going to hear what uh, Craig Morgan has to say coming up. But I know, I know, TJ, you got a little yeah. bit of text you want to read here, right? Yeah, that's an interesting text. Uh, and actually, <laughs> I, I haven't even thought about this. Uh, actually, from... before you do read it, make sure if you want to text in the, the text. Uh, oh, text I was going to ask. 5650. And you can also call us at 280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. Yeah, so here's an interesting text. And it's honestly something that I haven't even thought about. and uh, It doesn't make some sense if you consider it. But, uh, you know, this is from Jeff from the island. He says... Is it Benjing Breeze? No. <laughs> it's about the Canucks. Get out of here. So <laughs> he, he says, boys, this OEL talk is all a smokescreen. The do the Canucks uh, the, the Canucks are really going to sign Tory Krug for five years five point seven five million keep our assets for other trades and mess up Boston all at the same time. Double wow! Win. So isn't that isn't that funny? Like we haven't even considered the idea of going for Tory Krug as a free agent instead. But you know what gets me there is uh, the fact that Boston is considering OEL or maybe maybe that's a smokescreen the other way. That tells me that you know they can sign Tory Krug for something similar to to OEL if they want, but they won't do it. Right. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what tell me. I think we got, we got Craig ready here. Yeah. So. Craig is ready to go. So, and- welcome um, Craig. Yeah. Welcome. What's uh, going on, you guys? Know, Craig is uh, <laughs> welcome to our show here, Craig. And uh, I know you had a, you had a couple of things to say um, on, you know, some of the publications you put out, but before we get started, you know, uh, our guests here, always a presentation of HBD homes design build new uh, home builder with over 20 years experience specializing in new home construction, laneway homes and renovations. Please visit hbdhomes.ca and their Instagram page at hbd underscore homes or call 778-968-1491. So uh, Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks guys. I, I like the uh, conspiracy theory that you're floating out there that the uh, Canucks could go after Tory Krug. This is like right. way back to the cup finals for nine years ago. <laughs> we we never forget here and i mean uh canucks fans are are fickle in that nature we don't forgive and we don't forget so why don't you why don't you fill us in i guess from your point of view why do the arizona coyotes and oel want to part ways well uh that's a complicated answer um how much time do you have i'll i'll give you the bullet points here <laughs> we it, got all the time you need it is it's we got clear a lot that all of right on this segment so you know give, give it to player. us straight you still there? Oh, we're here. Yeah, yep, we're here. Okay. The, I, I'd say it's clear that Oliver ekman Larson is not the same player under Rick Tockett that he was under Dave Tippett. Now, you can, you can look at a number of factors. I've written about a ton of this. Oliver's been through a lot in the last few years. He lost his mom. She was a big part of his life, and that really rocked him for a couple of seasons. So you, you have to look at that as, as a possible factor. He, he's playing in a different style with Rick Tockett. Um, he was sort of anointed as the captain before Rick Tockett arrived by John Chaika. And I'm not sure Rick Tockett would have chosen Oliver Eklund Larson as his captain. He's not really the fiery type that Rick likes. So you've got that clash instantly when Rick comes in. And, and I don't think that Tock has uh, been a big fan of the way he's led. He wants him to be more of a take charge guy. So you've got all of that. And then when you've got new ownership coming in, they're basically telling people that they're going to trade Oliver Eklund Larson. So you put all that together and from OEL's standpoint, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't want to leave at this point when, when you've got all that working against you. Um, he has been 
a pretty loyal foot soldier. He's not the kind of guy who's going to say anything bad about anyone. It's just not in his nature. But there are a lot of things working against him right now. And, of course, he hasn't played well the last three years. He hasn't played like the guy we saw a few years ago. So you can understand it a little bit from the Coyotes' perspective as well. You know, you look at a 29-year-old defenseman with seven years left on that deal, and you wonder, are we going to be saddled with this forever? So there's a lot to consider in this, a lot to unpack. Craig, I want to ask you, you know, you're mentioning the different play styles of Rick Tockett versus Dave Tippett. Um, you know, what was it specifically about the play style differences that uh, played a part specifically in his diminished effectiveness? Well, I just, Rick, Rick, it, when you look at the way that he wants to play, he wants to play north all the time. Just get the puck up quickly. Uh, I think OEL liked to play with the puck a little bit more, and, and that plays into it. He's got a different role on the power play as well, where, you know, he's, he's not off to the side. He's up top now, and Rick wants him to be the guy that, you know, gets those pucks through from the top with uh, Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel on the, on the uh, half walls. So little different things like tweaks like that. But as much as anything, guys, I just think it's sort of a – I don't want to call it a clash in personalities because it's not like these guys don't like each other. Uh, Rick talks all the time about what a great human being OEL is, but they they just don't seem like a great fit in terms of their personalities. uh, Again, Rick likes a different style of captain, and I wonder if that's part of the problem as well. Well, my follow-up question to that, Craig, is in your opinion, in a different system, you know, that, that benefits his, his, his play style, is he still capable of being that number one caliber defenseman, that top flight yeah. defenseman? Yeah, and you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people around the league. Um, I talk to people at every level of the league and a story that I did recently to get a sense of what scouts and, and different people in the league think about him. And it was interesting to hear that, by and large, a lot of people thought that he could still be that player, particularly with the change of scenery. And again, I, you can look at the, uh, you can do a, a quantitative analysis of what Oliver Ekman Larson has been the last three years, and, it, and it's not a great picture. But, the, you know, when, when you do, uh, you know, this contextual analysis of him, I, that's data too. And I, I don't think you can ignore that, or you're just, you're engaging in poor data analysis or incomplete data analysis, incomplete reporting, if you ignore the stuff that we just talked about. So I don't have the answer for you. There are a lot of people that think he can still be that guy, but clearly with with the uh, amount of time left on that contract and the size of the uh, AAV there's risk involved here there's no doubt about that yeah boy you're you're not kidding about that this is a huge one and I know people are 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 very very anxious in Vancouver here and I I've got to ask you because here we have such a reactionary market and we're hearing you know the trade could be <laughs> anywhere from all the king's horses and all the king's men to a, a collection of you know a band of misfits going the other way what's your sense of of what the ask is in terms of a package that Vancouver would be putting together if they wanted to get this deal done yeah look I think the I, I don't want to talk specific pieces because as I've said to a lot of people this is fluid this is a negotiation so I think those things can change to so to try and claim that I know the exact pieces that's it's just silly because like I said it's a negotiation things change but I think the Coyotes pretty clearly are looking for futures combination of prospects and picks that's really what they want to do because they're trying to sort of jumpstart a rebuild and they're looking at a timeline probably three four years down the road when they can bring this thing back around after they've you know, they've, they've retooled the roster. So I got to believe that's the sort of package that they're looking at. But, you know, I know Vancouver has cap issues of its own. So there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of details to be worked out in a deal like this. It's, it's not an easy deal to make in this uh, current market. No, 
Absolutely. So, I mean, if you were looking for futures, as you mentioned, and it makes sense the the Coyotes would be, right? They're not going to want to take on salary back. Um, and, and Boston is the other team that's in the mix here. And, you know, by, by all accounts, what we've heard is Boston can obviously offer up a better package, but their priority might be Tory Krug. So if Boston gets something done with Tory Krug, is Arizona kind of stuck with what Vancouver can and would be willing to offer? Or do you think that there's um, a way they could twist OEL's arm and get a third team in the mix here? No, I, I really don't get the sense that Oliver is going to choose any other teams. I mean, that I had mentioned Edmonton for a while because I thought he might want to be reunited with Dave Tippett, but Edmonton clearly is not a possibility now. And I don't get the sense that Oliver Oliver's camp is going to consider anything other than Boston or Vancouver. So it, it's an interesting question you raise because you're right that they don't have much leverage right now. If one of these teams drops out, they have absolutely no leverage. So at that point, are you really willing to give away an asset like Oliver ekman Larson for, you know, basically cents on the dollars? Or do you say, okay, at this point, it's crazy to devalue an asset that much. We're just going to keep him instead. Yeah. I, now, now, let me ask you another question here, because I think there's a sense that this is a done deal. And with the awkwardness of, of him going back and staying in Arizona. And this question comes uh, to us from Alexis at Canucks memes are on Twitter. Um, she wants to know, and I think a lot of people want to know, is there any chance that he stays and, and what would that situation look like and how awkward would that be? Well, I definitely think there's a chance again, just, just from what I said, you know, say Boston falls out and, and Vancouver simply can offer up a package that the Coyotes feel comfortable, you know, off uh, taking for Oliver Ekman Larson. Sure. I could see a chance, but you're right. That's the other thing to consider here. How bizarre would it be for Oliver Ekman Larson to return to Arizona under those circumstances? And, and does he keep the captaincy too? It's just, it would be a really weird set of circumstances. That would be quite a story to cover if he ends up coming back here. So, so if he does have to go back and it is that awkward situation, uh, you mentioned that, you know, Rick Tockett thinks he's a great human being. Is this something that they could talk out with, you know, and just kind of figure it out and, and push this on to maybe later on in the year to the deadline or or maybe next summer when, you know, there's a bit more uh, clarity as to what's going to happen with the cap and all that sort of stuff? Or, or is this kind of the time, the now, uh, before the draft or free agency starts? Like, what is the timeline that, that Arizona and OEL are looking for? Yeah, that's an interesting question, too. I think they'd like to get it done before the draft, but we are obviously really close to the draft right now. Um, I, it's hard to predict anything in this in this current market. I just I've, I've had agents tell me that everything's going to get extended out. We're going to see trades later than we normally do. We're going to see free agency run normally later than we normally do because of just all the bizarre circumstances of this year. So it, it's hard to predict that. But you know, I do think in terms of wanting to move him, if you're going to do it, this is the time. So if you, you start getting later and later into that contract, you know. Do you want to get a 30-year-old defense? Do you want to get a 31-year-old defense? When I, I, I wonder if this is the time to do it. Yeah. We're uh, talking, of course, with Craig Morgan, uh, Arizona Coyotes insider and NHL Network correspondent. Um, your website, Craig, uh, go ahead and give us a little rundown of what you do with the AZ Insiders. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've been covering this team for a very long time. And as you guys probably know about my past, I, I was writing for The Athletic uh, up until June. And the Athletic, of course, had some COVID hits of itself, and Arizona's been a, a tough media market. We had 10, 10 people in this bureau, and they cut it back to two people. So we were hit really hard. So I stopped working for The Athletic, and at that point, 
looking around uh, the local media landscape, I just didn't see any sort of viable outlets or outlets that I thought would, would cover the Coyotes the way I'd want to. So a friend of mine suggested that I give Substack a try and launch my own website, and that's what I did. And after just three months, I, it's surprising to say that I've already reached sustainability and I have a really good base of subscribers. So just uh, I guess I would say thank you to all of my subscribers, and it's really encouraging to see that sort of support. No, for, for uh, sure, and, and it's it's a well put together website. And I was kind of going over it, scouring over it today, obviously to prep for this little interview we have here. Uh, of course, the website is azcoyotesinsider.com. dot uh, com. A lot of inside information and coverage from Craig Morgan. Uh, I want to ask you a question here, and I was reading off your website, of course. What's the situation with the scouting department and uh, Bill Armstrong not being able to take part of the scouting this year? Like, a, talk, Take us through what that situation is because of his connections with uh, the St. Louis Blues. Sure, sure. It's just another bizarre chapter in the, in the story of the Coyotes, right? Uh, they, they hired Bill Armstrong from the St. Louis Blues. And of course, we're so close to the draft and he's done so much work for the Blues preparing for the draft that he had an agreement with Blues GM Doug Armstrong not to participate in this year's draft for the Coyotes. And not only is he not taking part, their newly hired director of amateur scouting, uh, Daryl Plandowski, will not be taking part in it either because of similar reasons. Uh, he just came from the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. So they're both going to sit this one out. So they're allowing their associate director of amateur scouting and their assistant GM to run the draft. It's, it's a really weird situation. It's particularly, you know, look, the Coyotes don't have a pick in the first three rounds this year, so it's not as extreme, but you're still talking about pieces of your future. You just brought in the GM and he can't oversee, you know, the selection of some of these pieces of your future. It's really weird. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting future moving forward. And I, and I want to ask you just kind of about what else is going on in terms of, other players that might move. I know Taylor Hall. Uh, something's happened behind the scenes here, and the boys are just killing themselves <laughs> laughing behind the mic. I'm just going to let him get it out. It's fine. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. But Ryan, like, you know, he dropped something in the background, and then, uh, you know, he scrambled to pick up his equipment, and then he whispered, <laughs> <laughs> So, you know what? Sorry, King. I dropped, a, I dropped a cup of coffee on my guitar for those oh, of no. you who want to know. Just if we're playing Name That Sound, that's what's happening there. But anyway. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 back up. First of all, there's a guitar in the studio right now, you're telling me? Well, we're all broadcasting from home, actually, and I can't oh, okay. surrounded by like so, seven well, I, thought you, guitars. I thought you were going to play something at some point during the show. <laughs> hey, man, I'll That's tell you what, what we'll, we'll get on Instagram Live after or something, and we can do like a joint <laughs> concert. You want to sing along? Or, uh, I'm down. I'm for it. <laughs> no, you don't want to hear that. Trust me. <laughs> Some, sometimes i serenade these boys in the commercial breaks and in behind and in meetings and stuff. i usually but, mute my sound at that point he does it's true yeah. but anyways i want to yeah. get back to the conversation about any any sort of any sort of other things that may happen in terms of transactions for the arizona coyotes like do you see taylor hall as a guy that they might want to move that's another guy who maybe is not happy in the desert and uh, and could well, change the scenery might make a difference or, or anybody else on that roster that might make sense yeah well taylor hall is going to be a free agent um and i talked to bill about this actually that was in the, uh, the story that i wrote today bill told me that they pretty much put it out there that they are willing to uh, listen to somebody. Somebody wants to give them a draft pick to acquire the negotiating rights to him before he hits free agency on Friday. They are open to that at this point. You know, you're talking generally you talk talking between a, a mid to late uh, round pick to, to do something like that. So it's pretty clear that they're not looking to resign Taylor Hall at this point. But in terms of some of the other players, 
you know, there've been a lot of rumors about goaltender Darcy Kemper, but you guys have seen the the goaltending market. It's it's pretty flooded. It's amazing mm-hmm. the amount of names that are going to be available either through trades or in free agency. So, you know, he 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 said they're going to explore every possible option, but I'm I'm getting the increased sense that they're not going to trade Darcy Kemper at this point because you want to talk about uh, an asset being devalued when you have a flood in the market like that with so many goaltenders available. I'm not sure they could get what they wanted for Darcy Kemper. So they may hang on to him and try and move on to Ranta instead. And then I think everybody knows, uh, you know, part of the MO for the Coyotes this offseason has been to try and move on from some of those veterans that are going into the final year of their contract. They already bought out Michael Grabner yesterday. Um, and then you're talking about maybe some other guys like that they, they'll, they'll try and move like Derek Stepan, um, Alex Goligoski, uh, maybe Jason Demers. That's, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting uh, offseason for the Coyotes in the next few seasons. Actually, a lot of a lot of moving parts potentially. Uh, I want to take mm-hmm. it back to Taylor Hall. Um, I know you you've talked to his agent. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah, I've talked to him so quite what, a bit. Yeah. So, what's the latest that you got? The sense that you got from from Taylor Hall's camp in terms of what they're looking for for his next deal, which might end up being the final deal for Taylor Hall. I think uh, I get the sense they're actually going to be wide open. They're, they're not going to really discount anything. They're going to sort of field offers from just about anybody who wants to pitch them at this point, you know, with the understanding Taylor, Taylor Hall wants to go to a situation where he can win and play in the playoffs because he obviously hasn't done much of that in his career with the teams that he's had to play for. Um, but I do think that they're open. They'll, they'll at least listen to shorter-term offers if, if that's what it takes to get it done in this market. You know, maybe you sign a short-term deal and then try and cash in later. I think they're going to feel just about everything at this point and then consider where they want to go. So it, that, that's in keeping with what Darren Ferris has told me all along and what Taylor Hall even told me. They want to be open-minded. So I think they'll consider a number of options at this point. Okay, so I want to uh, kind of go back to something you mentioned there, Craig, and, and how to kickstart the rebuild. So uh, new GM. You know, the old GM's out. And and the old regime was really high on Barrett Hayden. You know, they took him fifth overall. And they could have taken a guy like Hughes or, or, or you know, a defenseman like uh, another one like, uh, you know, Bo. Do you know if the current regime values Barrett Hayden yeah. as high as, as, you know, Chaika did previously? Recoup some of these picks for yeah, you know, I, I think Bill needs to get in and maybe evaluate that a little more closely. But the thing with Barrett Hayton is uh, I've talked to a lot of scouts about him, and there are a lot of scouts who really still think he's going to be a good player. They, I thought last year, you know, in, in the final analysis with the way that played out, it felt like a wasted year for Barrett. They, they didn't get to play him enough at the NHL level. He couldn't play in the AHL, of course, because of that ridiculous agreement that exists. Sorry, that's my opinion on the – BCHL NHL agreement. Uh, I think there should be some exceptions that he was the the classic case of a guy who probably should have been playing in the AHL was probably too good to play in the OHL, but maybe he should have gone back there simply so he could have gotten the games. And it it felt like a wasted year in his development, but a lot of scouts are really high on him still and think he's going to be a very good player. I'm not sure yet what Bill Armstrong's opinion is because I just don't think he's had enough time to form an opinion. 
No, it's an excellent point. Um, and once again, I just wanted to uh, to touch base with you here. We we got our poll question running up on uh, at Sportsnet six fifty on Twitter. It's it's a fairly simple one, but I'm sure that everybody would love to hear your opinion on this one. If you had to pick today, knowing what you know now, and I would argue that you probably know more than most about this about the actual inner workings. If you had to pick where Oliver Ekman Larson was going to end up between Boston, oh, Vancouver, and back in Arizona, what what's your best guess as it stands tonight? Oh, million you know dollars, I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys are assuming that I know everything that's going on with Boston and Vancouver, too, the machinations of those organizations, and I can't say that I'm an expert <laughs> on either one of those. Here's what I will tell you. When, when Oliver Ekman Larson signed his contract extension here, he, he did it a year before he was set to hit uh, free agency. Had he not done that, had he decided to go to free agency, I'm pretty sure he was going to sign with the Boston Bruins. So I, I think that has been his preferred destination all along. But I also know that he loves the city of Vancouver. I mean, seriously, let's, let, let's be honest. Who doesn't, to be honest? Uh, well, I was like going to say, Vancouver. who doesn't? We I all mean, love coming like, up there. I, I, I love, I love sunshine. City. So that plays into this as much. I mean, he obviously wants to go to a team where he thinks he has a chance to win and he likes the style of play. But it's also about lifestyle. And, and for a veteran like that, they've earned that right. I don't blame them, blame them at all. I'd want to pick where I, I was going to live as well and. I think that part matters to him as well. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays over to the next couple of days here. Uh, thanks again so much. We've been talking with Craig Morgan, Arizona Coyotes insider and NHL network. Uh, Craig, thanks for your time. And hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Have Thank a good you. night. And once again, you're listening to the Larsh cast on Sportsnet 650, your home for the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet tonight. This is Sportsnet Today with the Larsh cast. Now here are your boys on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. That's a great, great song to take us back. You're all the best. One of the best. (laughs) You're You're listening to the Larsh cast. My name is Sat. I got TJ and Ryan with me. And we just got off a call with uh, Craig Morgan out of Arizona. And we we learned a few things there, I think. Um, Namely that, you know, I don't think um, Arizona's going to be able to twist OEL's arm to add another another team to the mix. And I know that was reported previously, but you know, a lot of things get reported and initially OEL's list had, had one team in Boston. And then, you know, another team got added in Vancouver and, you know, you kind of sense that maybe a third team would make its way into the mix. But uh, you know, what do you, what do you guys think of that interview and anything else stand out for you guys? Well, first of all, just shout out to Craig. What a spectacular interview! Great insights, and and you know uh, that's a that's a tough market to have to break down trades because so much of what they do is is dictated not so much by what's best for the team, but what's best for the the cap hit and all the financial dollars and stuff like that. So, you know, I would I would once again uh, just say that his breakdown was so on the nose and and to be able to take at it from all these different sides, knowing what he knows about the internals of the organization. It was really interesting to see, um, you know, and, and I thought the big takeaway was that, I mean, it's not ideal, but he sees that there's a road back where they could have Oliver Ekman Larson back in that Arizona Coyotes lineup. Uh, you know, if, if the offer, if Boston drops out and, and Vancouver doesn't, you know, meet the mustard, which I hope, I hope they try and lowball it, but it'd be interesting to see how awkward would that be though? Ryan, 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 Ryan. Whoa. Is that now? Oh, the guys, prodigal I, son has returned. Whoa. I, where, I where first of all would like to here? I would first of all like to apologize if my quality of sound is not as good. I'm just doing it from the phone. I'm calling in. 
Um, you sound like so an angel. You sound like an angel now. Sound like an angel. Listen, first of all, Oliver Ekman Larson is going to be a Canuck. Like you know, oh. I got a special insider. I'm not going to say who it is. You know, he's got really good eyes, but you know, we spotted him eating steak here in downtown. <laughs> and weekend, you know, it looked like him. And you know, Jim Benning. He looked Jimbo was there as well. I think I think he's coming home here. He likes it. This is a home for Swedish people. This is where he wants to be. He doesn't want to go to Boston, guys. Come on, it's going to happen. You know, it's it's like the reverse Kessler situation. I'm sure you guys have spoken. It really is. It. Like he, this is a place he wants to be. I don't think Boston. To me, if you're the Boston Bruins, wh- I mean, I think Oliver, uh, you know, Oliver Eckler Larson is a good player. But if you have Krug, to me, a younger, better player in this space, probably for less money, why would you not just sign Krug? Okay, why would but, you Eckler Larson? But then that's the exact point. So why don't we just let Boston have Oliver Eckman Larson? They don't have yeah. the money to sign Krug. Ergo, you know, I mean, he's yeah. got to find so, a home somewhere. So, so, so. You guys forget then. What is, does Krug even want to play for the Canucks? Who knows about that, right? That, that's a different situation. So I look at the Boston situation with Krug in two different ways. Uh, one, maybe they're looking at OEL as an upgrade on Krug. Uh, you know, Krug does have a little bit more of an offensive upside, but OEL might be a more well-rounded defenseman, um, you know, in the defensive side. And so that could be an interesting you know, throw a hip check too, man. <laughs> oh, I, hip check. not since keith ballard have we seen yeah and so it's 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 funny if you think about it like boston's maybe looking to improve their back end with oel and that speaks well to oel's value overall but on the other yeah. side it's more of a contract thing like 8.25 million maybe they, you know I, I heard they're looking at trying to sign krug for a lot less so uh it could be a cap constraint that boston's facing uh yeah. that being said though i mean the canucks have a unique opportunity if boston falls out we're not just going to get OEL, but we're also going to ship out a bad contract because that's the offer that the Canucks are giving the Coyotes. They, what, 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 what have you guys discussed, guys? Sorry, I've missed some of it, obviously, but have you discussed how much money they should retain for this contract? No, we, no, we haven't. That, yeah, yeah so please. We can talk about thoughts. that right now. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny you mentioned mentioned that nap. I don't yeah. think uh, they're going to retain too much because the Coyotes are going to have to pay this guy for another five, like seven years, mm-hmm. a certain mm-hmm. amount. It's not a realistic scenario for them to pay one more than a million. So I think we're looking at seven hundred fifty thousand to a million dollars retained at the max. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that because Phoenix is the team that's going to be taking on low actual dollar value, high cap hit contracts. That's their mo. This goes completely against what they want to do. I think the you'll be on a one point two five type thing to get the cap hit around seven million. I think seven's a sweet spot for the Canucks. If if you can get them for seven million, and if you're not even if, if it comes down to the thing that you can't ship out a bad contract, because honestly, we may not be able to. Do they, do they really want Louis Erickson for two years? Do they want Brandon Sutter? I think we can trade Brandon Sutter to somebody else that may actually use him for something that he's worth. And if we can get that cap hit down to even like TG was saying to you know seven point two five or like Sap saying seven million, then in eight years, seven years, and I was listening to TG earlier mentioning is. The cap's going to go up eventually, boy. So seven, eight million right now is not going to be the same seven, eight million that it's going to be in eight years. Yeah. That might sound a lot better. So like, you know, I, you know, I think oh, the problem. Well, hold on, problem, I have to cut you off there because yeah. the fact that Nav was listening to me earlier, I'm going to have to take <laughs> this back another direction. I'm sure you oh, also heard it. me talking about Drew Brees. Okay, you know, arm strength coming back. Nav, where's can, your can, I, can, can we can we talk about that? Let, let's so finish let all right, and then I'll go to that. Let, let me finish, Nav. Yeah, you, you're eating your words right now, talking about Drew Brees falling off a cliff. Where are yeah. you at now? He just climbed oh, okay. back, top tech cliff, like you know, Frodo Bag in the Lord of the Rings. Well, he had some help. Can I, can I go? <laughs> come can around, I go? give him a hand, but can I go? Can I go? Okay, thank you. Here we go. <laughs> Guys, how pathetic is it when, you know, the mighty Saints, the mighty Drew Brees, the greatest quarterback, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, 
And Mr. Dr. Tedge Dollywall here is discussing and bragging about him being the beating the Detroit Lions. It's not about the team he beat. It's the arm strength, the conversation. Two two rushing touchdowns from Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. Calm down. No. You know, you sound almost as pathetic as some of the Seahawks fans are just jumping up and down <laughs> to beat the Miami Whoa. Dolphins. Why did okay. I just get inadvertently thrown under the bus here? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, okay, listen, Ryan, calm I down, everybody. Calm down. Nav, put the, put the spinning wheel down. Okay, you're oh, talking about – We might people. have to go tag team on you. I don't like, even know, man. Uh, Nav, you're spinning the conversation. It was never okay. about the team. It was his yeah. arm strength. He beat okay. – you guys, he beat the – he beat the no, Detroit you're, Lions. You're, His arm strength was looking it. a bit better today. There you go. It's not Say incredible. that again. Say He's that again. We'll see. It was better than it was last week, but maybe Eat because your words right there. Year. Eat your words for the record. Oh, Everybody yeah. who heard it. I mean, I will. Beer. I will say that, like you know, I mean, the opponent was it was a bit like arm arm wrestling a pre spinach Popeye or something. You know, there wasn't <laughs> wasn't quite the juice there yet. But uh, you know, I, I definitely think, and I will say, and I do have to say this that I, I think he at least. Navin, I'm sorry. He he improved on the eye test. I, I said he passed initially. I think he's done yeah. a lot better on yeah. the eye test. You know, he just didn't. The first couple games, you and I talked, like he just looked like he was looking a little off. And at least today, whether it was the quality of opponent or not can be debated. At least he yeah. looked more like you would expect a quarterback of that quality to look. He 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 did he did but again jumping from the point and I'm I'm not I mean I'm not want to jump on you Ryan because I know you're one of the sensible Seahawks fans but I just want to say <laughs> to all the Seahawks nation out there is I got a lot of buddies who are Seahawks fans and they're like yeah four and zero listen you beaten one team that's zero and three you beaten another couple teams that are one and three you lost to Cam Newton because they should have thrown the ball they ran the ball come on you should be <laughs> lucky to be kissing the ground that uh, Russell Wilson walks on. Because that man single-handedly has saved your bacon every week. Because trust me, that defense is looking as almost as bad as the Dallas Cowboy defense. It can Ooh. be run against them. You can throw against them. And let's see when they get some real competition, some real defense out there that can stop Russell Wilson to see what they can do. Because listen, okay, the one All right, you know what? Na- Nav, Nav wins the the football round this week. I think we could have used that energy in the first half of the show. Where the hell were you there? Anyways, I was, I was listening. listening. We're gonna pump it up. The Rogers yeah. doesn't play till tomorrow night, boys. That's why. Don't worry, Rogers will show you all tomorrow right. night what it's all about. Sounds okay. good. You're listening Not to the Larshcast on Sportsnet 650 in the home of the Vancouver Canucks. This is Sportsnet tonight. Um, okay, let's switch this back. Nav, you you haven't been uh, on the show here, so we have a poll question here brought to you by Ronald Kumar. He already Law. answered the question. He's saying Vancouver. No, he, I know he said it. I know he said he said Vancouver. That's what he thinks. But that, yeah, he thinks so. So Nav, give us your Honest opinion now. You know, you're a homer here. Do you think the Canucks <laughs> are actually going to get him, or is it going to be Boston, or is he going to stay? Like, is there a chance that you think, Nav, he's going to stay in Arizona or get shipped out to Boston? You know, I think the ship has sailed of him staying staying in Arizona. I think, you know, he's one of those guys. He's the captain. If you go to the captain and say, give us, you know, give us a team, a, a list of teams that you want to be traded to, how can you bring him back? I mean, this isn't like Louis Erickson playing on the bottom six role. You're trying to get rid of him. He's still a respectable top four, maybe top two defensemen on most teams. Um, when it comes to, is he coming to Vancouver? Honestly, I think, I think, yeah. I think when it's all said and done, I'm just hoping Jimbo doesn't pay too much for him because, you know, you know, I think, I think the last few years, I think, you know, Jim Benning has proved that, you know, he's improved as a uh, general manager, he's proved on the trades he's made. I just hope the lure of a, you know, a top four defenseman doesn't get to him, but I think he's going to end up being a Canuck because I don't think Boston's going to want to give away some of their assets. 
And no. I honestly don't think uh, Larson wants to go to Boston as much. He wants to come to Vancouver to play with. You know what? Mm-hmm. Swedes, are, they're that rarity. They're they're loyal guys, but you know what? They like to play with other Swedish players. Look at it. Like Marcus Naslund wanted to play here. The Sedins never wanted to leave. Edler doesn't want to leave. And I think there has something to do with the fact that uh, the city, this city is good for married people, the older, mature guys. Um, guys in relationships so we kind of just know this city loves that kind of people mm. we have a history with it and I think this is where he wants to be and I think the Sedins and Edler have a lot to do with it I'm sure they've spoken to him um, so I think he will be a Canuck by the end of next week well there you go so we got the draft coming up and I think the draft is probably a, a good timeline and day two of the draft is probably what we're looking at on Wednesday right so um, you know the the draft the Canucks don't really have too much in the way of picks in the early part of the draft they got no first round pick as we know. And um, so do you think there's an opportunity for the Canucks to even get uh, another pick maybe in, in the first or second rounds? And I'll start with you, TJ. I, I do think that uh, Jake Furtanen is the, the way we get a, we recoup a pick and I'm hoping it's a second because if you get anything less for Jake, I mean, that's kind of a, a waste and a wasted asset. And, you know, after all the conversation that we've talked about Jake time and time again, it seems like every freaking week, everybody's talking about Jake for a different reason. And he just can't get out of the limelight. Getting back a second round pick for him in this year's draft. And we don't have a first and a second. It would be a huge recoup victory for Jim Benning and the Canucks. And I think that could finally put that conversation to rest. But that being said, you know, hearing that OEL, the the what Arizona is looking at, you know, it's rumored to be centered around DeBrusque and Carlo, and and so DeBrusque is that that player that you know more of a smaller skilled forward than Vertanen. But Arizona has a lot of smaller skilled guys, so Vertanen might be in the trade mix for uh, the Vancouver Canucks going to Arizona, and so you don't get to recoup a pick in that sense you get to recoup oel so uh it's it's kind of an interesting scenario i don't know anybody else other than brandon sutter might be able to return a pick but it's not going to be a you know a high one right so uh, i'm not so sure but before i uh you know we go to nav or ryan on that answer just want to give a shout out to our producer yes. here you know we've been trying to give it find a time to give a shout out to roger shergill for putting up with us every week i know it gets crazy roger so thank you for the job that you do us scatterbrains Oh yeah, you're a, you're a fantastic fit for the large cast here, Absolutely. and so we appreciate all the work that you do there, Raja. So shout out to you, and uh, yeah. So take that question back to Nav or Ryan, uh, and I think we've heard enough of Nav. So let's go to Ryan instead. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> boy, haven't we? Can we just talk about how good the see? No, anyways, I'm not going to do that. But I, I just got, I just got ripped over there, man. But you know, I I think I think you guys nailed a couple of players. Like I'd love to see a scenario where we can trade the rights to Jake away and maybe maybe pull back a pick again it's not going to increase the excitement in in you know the beginning couple rounds for the canucks but hey maybe if we can make a move before we do this oliver ekman larson trade maybe there's a pick that comes back we can use that pick to move somewhere up in the draft you know i mean at the end of the day we can't really be mad at our position in the draft because like we talked about earlier in the show jt miller guys um so that's what i'm going to be focusing on during the first round of the draft is i'm just gonna have a big old picture of jt miller up in front of me and and when we when we <laughs> don't have that pick available i'm just going to kind of high five that picture of him because there you go you know i think that's important but i i could really see Sutter would be the other guy that i hope we can move maybe get you know a third i doubt we'll get a second ah uh, yeah i think you'd be lucky to get that yeah so we talked a lot about you know sw- the swedish representation on the vancouver canucks and 
one of the most important Swedes on the Canucks is Jacob Markstrom. This is getting, you know, a week, almost a week out to a free agency. We saw Robin Lehner get signed for five by five. And we've had a lot of conversations about Jacob Markstrom and what he'd be worth. Now, let's say the Canucks cannot come to terms with Jacob Markstrom. He's going to have a lot of suitors out there. But there's another Swede out there now that the Canucks could target, and that's Henrik Lundqvist. So do you think, you know, let's 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 get our little minds racing here. If, if the Canucks move on from Markstrom or if Markstrom moves on from the Canucks, is there an opportunity that that Henrik, King Henrik would want to come and play on the West Coast in Vancouver? And how great would that be if, if that was kind of a backup for, for Thatcher Demko? Let, let me just quote what Henrik Lundqvist tweeted out today. Oh, my. It was great. Five hours ago. And you, you guys tell me after I read this quote from Henrik Lundqvist <laughs> on Twitter if he's still got the fire in the belly. This is verbatim what he said. I still love to compete. I still love the game, and I still want to win. In caps. Win in caps. So what that's, not that that's, that's not Winnipeg. That's not Winnipeg. You know what that means? You know what that means? That probably means like Philadelphia, back up in Philly, <laughs> maybe a backup in Boston, maybe a back. You know what? I mean, it would be Colorado. cool. It would be cool. It would be cool to have, you know, King Hendrick. But this is, this is 2020 and not 2013, guys. Yeah. I don't think, he, you know, he got – there's a reason they bought him out. There's a reason he wasn't playing in the playoffs. Um, it's a bit of nostalgia. Yeah, he was great. But at the same time, he's not the goalie he was. Uh, for leadership purposes, yeah, it would be great to bring him in and help Demko a little bit. But you know what? There's other guys that cheaper money. And you know what? I don't think Lundqvist wants to come here. Does he really want to travel all the way to the West Coast? He's a New York boy. He's been living there for, what, for the last 18, 19 years. Do you think he's going to want to pick up oh, his family and let travel? Me, let, me ask you, let me ask you, Nav. Yeah. When you get up there in age, right? Yeah. Do you want? Would you rather live in the coldest winters or the hottest summers? You know, what? I, I'll be honest with you. I and I, this is always the question. Oh, this guy would love to come to Vancouver. We're sounding more and more like Toronto every year, boys. If I had a choice, if I'm, I'm born and raised, this is this is this is Nav Dasan speaking. I'm born and raised in Vancouver. You know, say I was a hockey player. Say I was a really great hockey player, and I could choose to play anywhere in the world. I'd be, I, I'm not going to lie, Vancouver would not be one of my top three choices. I don't want to play at home. I don't want that pressure. I would love to go play in New York. I'd love to play in LA, LA or Anaheim where there's yeah, no but this pressure. this is not his home. Great. Sorry? This is not his home. No, but that's what I mean. I go, no, that's not the point. The point is, like, we're always like, oh, are we going to get Lundqvist? Does this guy want to come here? Does that guy? Not everybody wants to play in Vancouver except for Oliver Larson. Well, see, but you but were that, talking about the Swedish. <laughs> you were talking about the Swedish connection earlier. Yeah, but dude, he's listen. There's a difference. That guy, Oliver Larson, is 29 years old. He's still in the prime of his career. Lundqvist is at the end of his career. So if he's going to go anywhere for a year or two years. He's going to go somewhere back east where he's from. He's not going to travel across the... But he wants to win. Way. What team's going to give him a better chance to win? Like, Boston, Philadelphia, okay. Boston, Philly, Washington. They're all going to need backups. Holtby's not going back to Washington. Yeah. Uh, you know, Philly's got a backup role there. Boston's looking a for a goalie. Yeah. 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 So yeah. He's, there's Philly, honestly, Vancouver is at the cusp of being one of the top teams in this league, I think, in the next year or so. They're, they're, and if they get Oliver ekman Larson, they're probably going to forward it even quicker to that. But to me, honestly, Philly is still better. Boston is still better. These are the teams that are still right there in cup contention. Okay. So, guys, let's stop for a second here, though. Yeah. Like, 
everything that we've heard and every every single rumor, every piece of information that's come out is that Benning is doing everything in his power to make sure Markstrom comes back exactly. next year. So, so yeah. the reality is we're probably looking at a Markstrom-Demco tandem and some serious cap concerns moving forward. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about these guys. I don't think that Lundqvist would ever come here, but I'm calling it right now. Yeah. I'm going to make a Navdo-Sange guarantee. I'm not sure Ooh. if I'm allowed to do that. Go ahead, but, go ahead. But we start the season before New Year's with number 25 between the pipes. That's not even a big guarantee. <laughs> Listen, okay, wow. Hey, give it to him. It's his first time. <laughs> no, yeah, come on, I put myself I, out I there, Sat. Put out there. Why don't you, why don't you say, okay, okay, what's the term? What's the, what's the, like, what's the cost? Okay, okay, you know what? Okay, I will no, no, say. No, no, I, I accept Canucks that. Canucks are going to go $6 million. <laughs> Oh, six. Oh, oh, wow. Betting's okay. going to do okay. it. That's tough. That's okay, tough. Okay, I, I don't where, like it. There's there. I'll give you something. Here's where I disagree with that. Thanks to Robin Leonard. Mm-hmm. The price for Markey has come down. But Markstrom's better than. It Larry. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. His numbers weren't that much better. I don't think his numbers were that much. Exactly. Better. The, Fourth in Vesna voting. Okay, listen, listen, listen. Slow down, guys. Before the Leonard Ooh. deal, before the Leonard deal, you could think, yeah, six million might have been a possibility. But when you get Robin Leonard five by five, you know, and you're on, you're talking about a contender, Vegas, yeah. the Vegas Golden Knights, like they were right there in the conference finals, you know. Yeah. There's no chance that Markstrom's looking at a six million dollar dollar deal, especially with the wealth of gold. Well, no, he might get available. it somewhere, but not with the Canucks. No, not with the Canucks. Yeah, TJ, I agree. Are, with yeah. You. I, yeah, I agree with you to a point. But when I when I'm going from Ryan's point is also is Markstrom is a lot more valuable to the Canucks than Leonard is to the Vegas Golden Knights. I said that Agreed. before. So I I'm gonna agree with Ryan. If he's gonna be a Canuck, it's gonna be. One of two things: either he's gonna get paid like five point two five, five point five, and he's gonna get some trade protection, some trade protection, or the Canucks will give him that six million dollars, and he's not getting that trade protection. They're not gonna give him both because they need to have an out, or they need to have a guy available for the next three to four years making a decent, you know, decent so salary. If he, gets, both. if he gets six million, what's the term? So say say he gets six million, no expansion protection. Maybe he gets yeah. some back end no movement protection there. But what's the term on that? It has to be two or three years. It has to be. Is- it won't it be can't though. be longer than two or three years. But that's the thing. I, 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 I wish it would be. I would say best case scenario is $6 million for three years. But honestly, if the Canucks get into that negotiation, it's back and forth. I could see them going six years. Sorry, $6 million for four years and then yep. having to trade Demko. So here's another question to all you guys then. Here's another question to all you guys. If we can sign or if we sign Markstrom at you know close to $6 million, maybe five, seven, five, four years, no expansion protection, uh, and he gets uh, two years of or three years of no movement, uh, no no movement clause in the back end of that deal after the Seattle expansion drafts. Are you guys okay with that? If it means we lose Tanner, no. I'm okay with it. Yeah, go ahead, Sat. Okay. You go first. Yeah, no, I'm okay with that because the biggest thing for me is the Canucks need flexibility during the expansion draft. You know, the the money is is important. Obviously, it is important, but you know, 750 grand is not gonna kill the Canucks on the cap for their number one or, or their, or their goaltenders that there's other reasons why 750 grand is a problem, right? Mm -hmm. The biggest thing for me is you can't give him a no move clause for the expansion draft, but like you can't go six and a half million either. Right. So if it's around six or 5.75, that's fine with me, but the, the no move clause in year one is, is worth more. See, I, I, 
I'm a little bit more on the tough side there. And I mean, I know I'm the one that made the, made the prediction now, the much, the much maligned prediction or not, not exciting enough. But if you sign him for that much money, like you're basically put in a situation where in two years, when Hughes and PD come up where you're going to have to look at, and I mean, I'm fine with this personally in theory, but buying out a guy like Tyler Myers, and then you've got several years of 3 million on the cap because the trickle down effect, if we, and if we get Larson and Markstrom, like, there's no way we're going to be able to sign both PD and Hughes without moving a huge cap hit off the books or finding a way to get creative. And and all we're doing is we're just taking a big old problem and just spreading it out, spreading it out further, putting it off till future. Putting but it remember that, future. like the expansion draft's coming, right? No, so, it's true. So like the, there's an opportunity that the Canucks can play. Like if you said a guy like Myers buying him out, what if they leave him unprotected and he's gone? Then his entire uh, cap is gone, right? Well, the case scenario. scenario. Why not? I mean, it depends who's available, right? He but could be there. Kind of the flexibility to to kind of put the guys out there that either gives them flexibility with their cap moving forward or yeah. lets them rid of a contract. I, I guys, I just hope. I mean, and you know, the funny thing is, I'm going to say this, but it worked out for us. I just don't want another Luongo Schneider situation, mm-hmm. even though it ended up giving us Horvat and Markstrom. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that's that was rare. We kind of got lucky with that, but we don't want that again. So they if they're gonna keep Markstrom and he's gonna be your goalie year for the next four or five years, you better get something good for Demko. If you're gonna walk away from Markstrom, fair enough, then you're good to go with Demko and you're signing him at a cheap contract, then you better go get another defenseman to help Demko. Because you can't come back with the exact same six you had last year. Does that mean obviously all Ekman Larson? And it's gonna have to be probably be plus plus a couple more guys that can play on that bottom, bottom two role to you know help Demko because you know Demko is going to be a great goalie, but he's not Markstrom yet. Absolutely. Final thoughts for TJ or uh, Ryan on this? Uh, I'm just excited. Honestly, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the sh- beginning of the show. It's just Vancouver is an exciting destination for team for players now in the league, and that speaks volumes to the what situation that we have here and the situation that Jim Benning has uh, built and reformed here in Vancouver. I mean, just take us back one year. Jim Benning was like on the chopping block, you know, like the extension that he got was, was, you know, receiving a lot of vitriol from half the fan base, it seemed. And, or maybe just the Twitter fan base, because, you know, obviously Twitter is a bit more louder and whinier and, and sometimes, but <laughs> a portion of Twitter, sure. Not all of Twitter, but yeah. um, it's just interesting to see how things have shifted so significantly in one year. But remember though, it's not that big of a shift. If you think about it, Gustav Nyquist was the first free agent that wanted to come to play in Vancouver because he liked what was going on. That was last year. So it's not just happening right now, but it's a sign of things to come. Better days are ahead. The sky is beautiful and blue. (laughs) Beautiful and blue. Vancouver is going to win the cup with this core. That's my guarantee. I love it. I hope you're right, TJ. Just just before we go here, just my my final thoughts on this are, to me, this situation with OEL and Markstrom are kind of like you've got a a three-course meal when you're a kid. And you want the cup, you know, that's the stake. And then Larson and Markstrom, uh, those big contracts are kind of like the veggies that you just kind (laughs) of, they are what they are. You got to digest them, find a way to clear your plate so you can get onto the party sort of thing. Get away from the table, get back to your video gaming or whatever it is. All right, guys, final, final results of the poll question. Today's question was, where does Oliver Ekman Arson play next year? Canucks, Bruins, Coyotes. Canucks at 46%, Coyotes 33 and Bruins at 21. So the Canucks picked up a bit of steam. 1,800 Thank- votes. Thank you. 1,800 votes. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for the support. You know and what, that you know, Bruins, no matter what happens, Canuck fans will never vote for the Boston Bruins. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as <laughs> always, thanks to our guests. And uh, follow 
uh, us on social at LarshCast. We have a Thanksgiving giveaway, so make sure you do sign up for that. And you know what? Next time when we talk, we're going to talk about the draft and free agency and OEL, hopefully the Canucks. Thank you again for listening. Everyone have a good night. This is the LarshCast on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet today.